Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is Yoga Land. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. How and are you? I'm good. Good. I was going to say, and all of our listeners. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and Ginger, but she's not here she is next not to me here. at the moment. <laughs> no, I was going to acknowledge our audience. Yes. Hello, audience. There's like 24 million listeners. I, I, give or take. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. yeah. But you, I, I want you, but I, but each and every one should feel like they're the only one. Well, I will say we may not have 24 million listeners. We may be exaggerating a little bit, but we do have listeners all over the world. It's really exciting when you look at the map on my analytics. I should have you look at it. It's super cool. Soon, because yeah. yeah, you see like South Africa and Africa and, you know, Lao. And I mean, it's just like very exciting. Also, so. can I say how terrible it would be to have 24 million listeners? That would be really weird. You'd have to be like Taylor Swift, right? Or I'm in, in ways like Taylor Swift. <laughs> so many ways. Ta- uh, Ta- talented? Let, let's get singer? to our topic. Okay, shall let's we? get to our topic. Let's okay. get to our let's topic. Get to let's our get to our topic. topic. Okay, so today we're going to talk about ways to re-inspire yo- your yoga practice. Yeah, because you know what feels really terrible? Teaching yoga when you don't feel inspired in your own personal practice. Yeah, it's right. Rough. And it's just so much of what we do as a yoga teacher flows from our own practice. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean, and we're going to talk about this later, that doesn't mean that your class and your personal practice have to be the exact same thing. No. But if you don't if you're not on a learning curve, if you're not enjoying it, if you if you if you aren't in some way inspired and feeling good in your own skin from your practice, it's just really difficult to to like garner the enthusiasm to share it with others. And you'll do it because it's your job. Right. You know what I mean? And listen, it's not realistic or in any way reasonable for us to expect like every class we ever teach is going to be the most inspired and inspiring moment. But generally speaking, if you're in a rut in your own practice, it really makes teaching difficult. So the first opportunity... Well, the first thing that we want to mention though is we were thinking about this topic because we have a program coming up to help re-inspire your practice. And that'll be happening in January. It's called the Mind Body Reset. You can learn more about it and get on the wait list if you want to know when we open enrollment at learn.jasonyoga.com slash reset. And one of the main aims of that program is to get you back to your own personal practice that you love. Yeah, just to enjoy it again. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that we can do is practice a different style of yoga. So I'm just going to throw this out. I practiced Ashtanga yoga for a long time. Then I stopped. Then I was studying Iyengar yoga for a long time. And then I went back and periodically took Ashtanga classes. And I loved that practice again. So I was a very regular Iyengar student, but I was an irregular Ashtanga and Vinyasa student. And that was a really nice mix for me. I had like this anchor discipline, but then I had this thing that, man, I don't want to just ground my femurs today and do this and that. I just want to move and breathe and have a steady pace. So a lot of times the Ashtanga or the Vinyasa practice re-inspired my Iyengar practice and made me feel excited to teach again, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so 
you know, for people that are more oriented towards yin or restorative, if you're feeling a little just stuck or uninspired, go to a hot class. And this, the other thing that this might do, and vice versa, if you're a hot yogi, go see what restorative yoga is like. Because another thing that this can do is we all get habits and we all get a little bit ideologically partisan about the style of yoga that we teach and prefer. And it's, it's really helpful to just break it up mm-hmm. and try something else. And you already like yoga. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that big of a shift. You're in the same, you're in the same playground. You just go into like a different apparatus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll pick something up or you'll just, it'll kind of freshen your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing that comes up for me is making peace with the ebb and flow of your practice. And I mean this in a lot of ways, but I think the most dominant way in which my practice ebbs and flows over the years is intensity level. Mm-hmm. There's there's times in my life where my yoga practice is more demanding. There's other times in my life where I don't want to do a demanding practice, where I feel like if I do chaturanga today, I'm going to gouge my eyes out. Like I am so bored mm-hmm. with inhale plank, exhale chaturanga, inhale up dog. I, I literally can't take it. So when I get when I get into that zone where I feel like, oh my God, this feels so repetitive, that's often a time where I realize I just don't have the energy to practice a particular way and I need to embrace a softer practice or a firmer practice, depending. I think when your practice shifts for any reason, like if you... um let's say you move and and you don't have your regular teachers. Or for me, the biggest shift I experienced was after pregnancy. Like everything was so different and it took me so long to to get back to what I consider to be a regular practice. When you go through those shifts, it can be really challenging. And um, it's like when you get through that first hump of like when you do get back to it in some way, and for me, it did change the intensity the duration changed, um, and but it took some accepting on my part. But then once you get through that first time you experience a major shift, you realize how flexible the practice is and that it's it's not just okay for it to ebb and flow. It's It needs to. It's going to. Everything has a life cycle. Yeah. It, this is exactly kind of the second point that I was going to bring up on this is sometimes things we just get knocked out of rhythm. Like life happens. Life mm-hmm. throws us a curveball. COVID, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. I mean, this this is this was so absolutely earth shattering for I mean, for so many things. Don't get me wrong, but for how and where and when people practiced yoga, and a lot of people just got out of the habit. And I think that a lot of teachers got out of the habit of going to the classes they went to and being part of the physical community they were part of. And so something to to remind ourselves is when we make peace with this reality that intensity ebbs and flows and duration ebbs and flows and how and when and where we practice ebbs and flows, we're not as likely to pile on and we're not as likely to think, oh, well, my yoga practice and my relationship to it is different now, so it must be over, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
Absolutely. The next thing that comes up for me is don't only practice what you preach. There is advice that virtually everyone gets in their teacher training programs, which on the surface, I think is good advice. In the long run, I think it is not good advice. And it's a little pedantic as well, which is you have to practice what you teach. Mm -hmm. You have to practice what you teach. You kind of do, but Bear with you, me. I think what you, I think what's key in what you, what you just said is that in the beginning, that may be very important. Over time, it it becomes you, you as you become a more seasoned and, and more comfortable teacher, it's not as important, and it's more important to respond to your own needs, right? A hundred percent. So so that's what I was saying. In the short term, it's good advice, but in the long term, it's going to backfire on itself. So here's here's what we don't want. We don't want our own yoga practice to feel like work, work on a day that we don't really want to work, right? So here's how we can approach it. When you are, when you are a newer teacher, and that, to me, that's the first several years. When you're a newer teacher, you're kind of going to need your own practice as a lab, Right? You're going to need it as research and develop. You're going to need it to like figure out your sequences, your timing, all these things. But then over the years, and over the years, actually, you're still you're still going to use it. Like my main, the main inspiration that I have for my classes is what I am working with in my own body, 100%. But when you are practicing and you're feeling in your practice like the main thing you're doing is development for your next class, it's going to start to bite you. It's going to start to get to you. That's it's it going to start to burn you out. Rote and dry and probably too routinized. When, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about when you were working at Yoga Journal as an editor for so long, you never read Right, like you, you, because no, I read all day, right, all day long, right. So, you, so you never wanted to read. No. You, you didn't read for joy in any way, right? And it, it completely makes sense. Like if you are teaching yoga all day, thirty classes a week, whatever it is, are you kidding me? You really want to do a yoga practice that is like the exact the, same thing, right? <laughs> yes, you be you drive Not yourself inspiring. nuts, right? Not inspiring. So, so, so I think the point I want to make sure I land on is. Have some sort of practice that you don't teach, that you don't teach. So if you teach vinyasa yoga, maybe you have a yin practice that's yours. Maybe you like go moonlight and do hot yoga. Maybe you just have a meditation practice and a pranayama practice that you don't teach. And, and I think if we have this little reserve, this like, Oh, today I'm coming to my practice and I am never going to teach this thing. Or at least for the foresee, this is not, this is not coming out of my mouth. This is just, I'm just going to feel my body this way. It's so nice. And in fact, it's never been easier to do this type of thing with Glow and other streaming platforms because it's so easy to take a different style that, that because you don't teach that style, it's not as likely to, to get you into that work mode. Yeah. Right? Yep. 
you know, the first three things that we've talked about are really ways of framing, experiencing, and altering your own practice to be more inspired with your practice. But I have to say this next one is is actually really huge, uh, which is to explore a different physical, intellectual, or creative endeavor. Sometimes the most important thing that we need in a situation is to step back from it, right? I mean, if you don't feel inspired to practice, you might need to find something else that is inspiring to you. Mm -hmm. Because since everything is related, if you feel in your life that you're in the learning curve of a new physical activity or an intellectual activity, or you're learning some new craft or some new hobby, when you are inspired to learn and you're inspired and when you're insp- when you're inspired to learn you are absolutely going to be inspired to teach even if it's not the same thing mm-hmm. because a happy inspired you is going to do everything that you do way better the other thing too and I've brought this up and it's a little bit like the Iyengar and Ashtanga thing for me but as someone that does two other physical modalities, my yoga practice feels great. I am so happy when I'm doing yoga because it's not strength training and it's not Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, I thought you were talking about your your pickleball tournament. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was literally, when you said my two other things, I was like, yeah. what, did, what is the second yeah, one? Yeah, the second one. Um, so, right, so it feels so good. Like, I think it's an issue of, it's difficult to not take certain things for granted. And it can be difficult to not take sensory experiences for granted. So like if I had vanilla ice cream every day, yeah. th- th- right? There's probably a, a time I'm like, yeah, I'm still happy I'm having this. But maybe if you spend a couple weeks doing something else and you came back to vanilla ice cream, it'd be that much better. Right. So, so this is that, that kind of sense is like we do need a certain amount of variety and so if you're if you're doing a different physical activity or something that engages your mind or your emotions in a in a different way i think it's going to give you more of a complementing contrast mm-hmm. to coming back into your own practice and just thinking to yourself oh this is why i felt in love with it in the first place right it feels really good it's amazing to feel good in my own skin mm-hmm. And let me just enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And then I think also, like you said, you will sometimes, if you're inspired by a different discipline, you might pull something into it. Like I feel like when you started doing mm. weight training, you started to pay much more attention to you know the, some of the strength building deficits in certain yoga sequences, and that really shifted a lot of the way that you now teach. So having some cross-pollination can be just what you need as well. You see yourself and your strengths and weaknesses differently in different environments. And that's exactly right. And, and it was even before strength training, it was training jujitsu really exposed to me this incredible lack of back body strength. I had no idea how weak my hamstrings and my glutes were. I had no idea how weak my spinal muscles were. 
until there were certain situations, training where I needed power there. And I was like, oh, I thought that Warrior 2 was enough to strengthen this stuff. But now, actually, that it's put to the test in a different environment, whoa, there's a deficit. Hmm. And so then it was inspiring in my yoga practice and then a little bit in strength training, be like, oh, let me start to address this. Let me let me see how I look at this a little bit differently now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think any of the anything where we anything where we step out of the bubble that we've been encased in is a is a really it's an it's an opportunity to give us really good perspective. And I know that the focus right now is re-inspiring our practice, but the one brief thing that I want to add in. If you have been a teacher for a while and you are not completely new to something, go go learn a little bit of something that's completely new and remember how hard it is to learn something new. <laughs> right, right. You'll have more empathy. You will have so much more empathy. You'll be like, what? Like literally go to a, how to like ballroom dance. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Because it's it is really difficult as a teacher to not presume knowledge, right? And and we have to presume a certain amount of knowledge, but we forget how confusing like it is to talk about rotating the arms and downward facing dog. Yeah. You know, so put yourself in that position. Um, and not only do you have greater empathy, but you'll be inspired to to do it better, to mm-hmm. teach more clearly, to teach more simply, because you will be reminded of how much you need that as a learner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last one is remembering that we're all part of a community and we all have ups and downs. I actually had no idea as a yoga student how weirdly, this is going to sound more sad than it is, how weirdly lonely being a yoga teacher is in terms of having colleagues. Um, you know, when the various jobs that I had in my life, I worked with other people. Like there were people, there, there were people doing what I did while I was doing what I did. And there was interaction. Mm -hmm. You were part of a team or I was part of a warehouse. I worked at the video store with the other person who worked at the video store or the, you know what I mean? Like you work at a video store. Oh, I worked at a video store in college. Oh my God. That was another one of the many jobs I've been fired from. Yeah. I've been fired from almost every job I've had other than teaching yoga. That's a different. The, The catering job? Catering job? No. Okay. No, I left that on I my own. I heard that one. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The job for, working for your parents? My parents did not fire me. Actually, it's it's only been two. The video store and okay. then the ice skating rink. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyways, the strange thing about being a yoga teacher, though, hear me out, is you're the only person in that room doing that job at that time. Yeah. Right? You're the only, there might be other teachers there. But you are the only person in that room that is doing that job. So as a yoga teacher, you're on your own island, right? And so there and so there isn't there isn't as much of a feeling of shared teacher camaraderie yeah. as I thought there would be. There's like in my experience, there's almost none. And and I think that you know I think that some studios 
I'm, I'm sure, sure some studios have gotten better about creating community. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I'm not I'm not I'm not poking the yoga world as like this is a fault. Of no, it's not. It's as much me and my introversion. And it's also you know. just like you said it's part of the job. I mean, I think you have to that's why you put this on a on a slate, right? On a, as a bullet point, which is like you have to be conscious that there is a community out there and you have to make probably a little more effort than you would in another profession. Yeah. And and kind of the reason that I'm I'm going here is we forget because there's no like water cooler talk, there's no commiseration, there's no looking around being like, "Oh yeah, we're all here today. We're we're all doing this today." Um we forget that everyone has ups and downs. Everyone's practice looks amazing sometimes and non-existent other times. Everyone's practice looks like a five-minute flow some days and not other days. And so much of what we see is filtered through social media. And that's not a very accurate representation of real life. Like there's value to it, but we might we might see to ourselves so and so teacher well known or not known and be like oh my gosh they do that they must be practicing 40 hours a day blah 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 and they're always inspired and i just think the reality is because we aren't connected to our peers while we are doing our job we don't see the reality of other people's ups and downs. Sure, sure. You know? And and so and so what do we do because we have a little self-consciousness and because it feels uncomfortable, it feels uncomfortable to be uninspired and teach. We assume we're the only one. Right. Right? right. Or we assume we have it worse. Like your secret shame. Right? We have that we have that negativity bias I think pretty deeply baked within. And the the more we can the more we can step back and just like embracing the reality of ebbs and flows, embracing that we're actually part of a community that goes through this, then I don't I don't mean to be too heavy-handed. Maybe this is too strong of a word, but we're less likely to have the shame that might come up or just the the yuck that yeah. comes up, right? Or might be less likely to pile on when we're going through something and and we can Again, I don't mean to be heavy, but we can kind of do the equivalent of asking for help. Like, I'm stuck in my practice. It doesn't feel great. No shame. What can I do about it? Yeah. Let me practice differently. Let me practice in a style that's actually completely distinct from how I usually teach. And is there some other actual hobby of mine that can help me feel like a beginner, help give me perspective, and actually bring me a little bit more excitement and enthusiasm just because it's new. And maybe maybe that can bleed into my practice and to my teaching. Right. Yes. Hang in there is my, my final word. Hang in there. Because like I said, if you get through one of those initial phases where things just get turned on their head and you're not feeling it, if you get through that, you'll start to realize that you can ride the ebbs and flows better than you probably thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't give up. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about our program coming up in January, Mind Body Reset, go to learn.jasonyoga.com 
slash reset. And as always, I will put show notes on the show notes page at jasonyoga.com slash podcast. All right, everyone, until next week, enjoy your practice.